0: Hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Extraordinary Podcast. My name is Tobias Dahlberg. I'm the founder of strategic brand and design consultancy, Wonder Inc., and also nowadays proud founder of The Future Academy. What is The Future Academy? The Future Academy is what I call a school for game changers. What I mean by that is it's a resource, it's a learning platform for entrepreneurs, for businesses... For anyone basically who wants to take their business and their brand or their business, I should say, to the next level. So you might want to check that out at thefutureacademy.com and also make sure you sign up for the newsletter. And uh, there's also some free samples you can take. You could, for example, you can sign up for my first signature online training and coaching program called Brand Transformation Masterclass. You can sign up and get a few sample videos to, to go uh, on a, on a mini-journey to try out the Brand Transformation Masterclass, all available at thefutureacademy.com. So, in today's episode, I'm talking to Scott Gould, who is a speaker, author, and expert on engagement. So I first got to know Scott because I was doing research for my online program, Brand Transformation Masterclass, and there's a module there called Engagement. And uh, I wanted to really learn from the best, and uh, and so Joe Pine, uh, who was on the podcast actually in episode number one. If you haven't listened to his episode, you should really, really do that. By the way, anyways, Joe hooked me up with Scott, and Scott lives in England, and I and I connected with him, and uh, he was just amazing. I mean, this uh, episode—I know I keep saying this over and over, but it's true for all episodes, pretty much, where you know where we have guests. And uh, as I was talking to Scott, I immediately knew that I needed to have him on the podcast to share some of his great insights with you. So Scott really delivers a very broad uh, view and a very well-structured way to think about engagement, but also to, to practice it, to, to use some concrete tools. And he has a book out called uh, The Shape of Engagement, The Art of Building Enduring connections with your customers, employees, and communities. And so what I found particularly interesting about Scott is that before he became an entrepreneur and did a lot of the things that he did, we're going to talk about in a minute, he was a church minister. And when you think about it, you know, you might not first see the link, but you think about engagement, you think about religion, you know, there's probably not a better way to prepare yourself to become an expert in engagement than religion, because You know, there's hardly a, a, you know, higher level of engagement, you know, in the universe than, you know, the type of engagement that people, you know, how engaged people are when it comes to religion. So Scott nowadays, you know, he consults companies, you know, purpose-driven organizations that need to engage, who want to galvanize their followers around their mission. He's worked with big, you know, uh, global corporations such as Microsoft and Nokia, and a lot of other companies as well he's also delivered more than 500 talks during his career he's carried out over 20,000 hours of community building work and he's run over 400 events so this is a man that we can all learn a lot from and as always if you like the episode please leave a review share it with someone who really needs to hear it who can benefit from it you know i'm here to serve i'm here to spread these ideas for my wonderful guests and uh again You know, if you want more content like this, just sign up at thefutureacademy.com, sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, and I'll be looking forward to engaging with you. All the best to you. And here's this week's episode with Scott Gould. Okay, well, um, Scott, welcome to the podcast. And uh, it's great to have you. I, I got to know you through our mutual friend Joe Pine, and uh, he said some really fascinating things about you. And I, I knew I had to talk to you. And, and one of the the most interesting things were, you know, your perspective and your experience when it comes to engagement. So that's something we want to jump into. But before we get there, can you please just uh, share a little bit? Who are you, and uh, you know what got you to where you are today?
1: Well. Thank you very much for having me. And um, thank you to Joe Pine for introducing us. Uh, He's certainly one extraordinary um, um, character too. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so so, so my my background, I think most pertinently is I used to be a church pastor. So I was a Christian minister. I I ran an inner city church. And uh, before that I had run different youth groups and I'd also had a stint as an entrepreneur. I ran a business conference um, and I'd also kind of been involved in television production and kind of web 2.0 app development and things. So I've got kind of quite a varied background. But the main thing for me would be my religious background, where um, I feel like I learned an awful lot around what engages people. Um, so <laughs> you know, being a minister and also being a minister of a church that was growing, you know, quite quite rapidly compared to many churches, um, I really did get a fantastic insight into people. You know, what motivates them, what engages them, what's really on behind the scene. Uh, because, of course, because religion is engagement with so much that is intangible in terms of, you know, there's there's an unseen God, etc. you know, this idea of heaven, which is unseen, it's a fascinating lesson as well in how you make intangibles incredibly tangible. Anyway, so I know a lot about it, and then um, some years ago, I stopped being a minister, I took a sabbatical, and um, I decided to, to kind of brush off much of the writing and thinking that I'd been doing during that time and turn it into some frameworks around engagement. And um, now here we are. I'm someone who speaks about engagement and does consulting on engagement.
0: Wow, that's a that's a really fascinating way to get there. I mean, a lot of people we talk about When it comes to building a brand and building a business, come from you know completely different backgrounds. So that's what makes this so fascinating. So let me start by by asking you, like, how do you define engagement? What does it really mean to you?
1: So yeah, uh, that's a great question. For me, engagement really is the process of of connection. It's it's uh, in in one word, engagement is togetherness, right? Mm. So if you think about somebody who's engaged in a conversation, it means they're together with that conversation. If somebody is engaged by a brand, they are together with that brand. If somebody is engaged in their work, they are together with that work. Even if somebody is engaged to be married, those two people are together with each other. So engagement, I think, as a definition, is is really about togetherness. But I think what's more meaningful about engagement is less what its definition is, because you can find a lot of different definitions in academia. I yeah. think what's more important about engagement is its intention. Not the definition of engagement, the intention of engagement. And the intention of engagement really is to make the most of a relationship. Yeah. Right. So when we talk about being engaged, what we're saying is I am putting all of myself in this to get as much out of it as I can. So if a student is really engaged in a lesson, it means they are, put, they are trying to make the most of that lesson. If mm. somebody's in- they want to make the most of that conversation if somebody's engaged by a brand they want to make the most of the value that that brand can create to them whereas if somebody's unengaged what that's saying is i don't want to get more value out of this and -hmm. i think that to me is a far more meaningful thing to think about with engagement is this idea of wanting to make the most of it
0: yeah absolutely i mean that's a much broader and and sort of richer definition i think we have brand engagement, we have customer engagement, and you read about engagement a lot. But it seems like that's not really the definition that that, uh, all that all that talk is about. It tends to be more about how can we just connect with people so we can sell them something. So this seems to be like a much more, uh, a much deeper way to think about it. So what, what do you think the implication could be for brands and businesses when you when you take such a broad
1: and deep, uh, you know, approach to it? It's a great question. And it, we should say right away, there are so many different types of engagement. So you've mentioned brand engagement, customer engagement. We can also talk about employee engagement, Absolutely, community yeah. engagement, stakeholder engagement, right, civic engagement, public engagement. The list goes on and on. All of these are about people saying, I do, right? That's what you say when, mm. you, when you get engaged. Yes, you know, I will marry you, right? I, I I will be engaged to you. So all of this is about getting people to say, I do. I am committed. I'm going to put myself into this, and that is far more meaningful to think about than shallower forms of engagement, such as how many people liked our Facebook post, how many people watched the video. Now, those things are important, and they are behavioural indicators of low levels of engagement. But when it comes to the concept of engagement comes at the high levels of engagement or we might even say the deep levels of engagement when something really lives deeply inside somewhere i use use the example of star wars Mm. right when people have star wars levels of engagement towards your thing they they are just so on board with it right i mean i joke and i say you know people people might divorce their spouse but I will, you know, I will never divorce Star Wars. Right? <laughs> you know, there is a level of love and affection and engagement with that whole thing that is so deep and meaningful. That's what every brand. That's what every brand wants from its customers. That's what mm. every employee uh, employer wants from its employees is that level of togetherness. That level of I want to make the most of this relationship. Uh, now. Thinking about that, that's substantial. And a lot of the research that's gone into engagement, such as, I mean, the most, I think the best study is uh, what's uh, Gallup's human sigma uh, piece that came out in 2007. So already it's quite, you know, it's quite old and yet still a few people are are aware of it. But they looked at um, 214,000 business units looking at employee engagement and customer engagement. And they found that those high, high levels of engagement are associated with those units outperforming other business units by a factor of 3.5 times.
0: 3.5? Uh, wow, that's a lot, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 350%, right? Wow. I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. And they don't want to say this. They say that when a customer is highly engaged, the number of competitors they will consider is zero. Right. Who does not want that? So take me as, an, I mean, here's a classic example. Take me as an Apple customer, right? Mm. I'm engaged with Apple in two ways. First of all, physically, I have their suite of products that links everything together. iCloud and all of that thinking is a stroke of genius, right? That would be very difficult to disentangle from my life because of the whole iCloud thinking. But also I'm engaged with Apple on a kind of very emotional level, whereby I like their products. I consider them to be works of art. I I identify with them. I feel like I'm an Apple user. And because I'm highly engaged, one of the benefits that Apple has with me and, of course, millions of other customers is we are prepared to pay more and more for their products. We're prepared to put up with the times that they disappoint us. Mm. We are prepared to um, try new products. We will advocate for them massively. And, and all of this is very, very similar to a marital relationship, right? Or a best right. friend. You you put up with that person even when they do things that disappoint you. Mm. You will praise them to your friends rather than criticize them. Yeah, you might have a, sometimes you might have a moan about them, but that's not going to change the fact that you are in this for the long haul. Mm. That's the value of a highly engaged customer or a highly engaged employee or a highly engaged community member. And you don't get there through... And and you don't get there through, wow, we've got, you know, we've got 500% more likes on our Facebook page, right? Now, that that might be an indicator of something, but that is not how you get there. Yeah. When you speak about
0: engagement, I just started thinking here that it seems like such a in a way, like a better term to use than marketing in in most instances. I'm not going to go into this sort of, you know, one versus the other, but I I think that somehow engagement, the way that you define it, is just like so much more directed toward what the goal should be of marketing. I think, you know, it's, yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you get that question or do you think about that
1: comparison? You know, I, 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 my problem with the term marketing, I think, is that it silos and segments people. Mm. So now we've got this idea of internal marketing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which really is a peculiar idea of the phrase. The phrase has kind of gone through this strange thing. I like the idea of engagement because engagement pretty much is the process of building a connection. Right. Now I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the word marketing. I'm not gonna hate on the idea of HR. Yeah. I'm not gonna hate on the idea of Different things Because they are very useful terms, of course, and we're never going to replace them. But I think thinking about it with a mindset of engagement, I think, is very healthy. Because engagement, quite simply, is the posh word for what level of relationship do people have with us?
0: Mm. Wow.
1: And that is, the, that is the most important thing that nobody gets taught, right? Yes. So let's say you and I, or let's take somebody who's listening to this. You and I have a relationship with each other. People listening to this right now have a relationship with you and I. But no one ever teaches us how to build relationships beyond say hello, take them for a drink. We don't know the framework for relationship building. We know the framework for making a funnel. We know the framework for hiring a person. We never get taught the framework for how you make a relationship and how you take that relationship deeper. Yes. And uh, that's what I've spent. And that's what I've spent lots of time figuring out and writing about and and putting out there.
0: That's wonderful. And and I think... Really, like the the way I see it is that the most valuable thing a business can have is actually, you know, its relationship or the depth and the length and the quality of the relationship that the business has with its best customers. I mean, it's like that's the gold. You know, basically, if you don't have that, you don't really have so much going for you.
1: The engaged relationship is a competitive advantage, a major competitive advantage. Gallup say it's the best predictor of organic word, uh, organic growth through word of mouth. Uh, and Warren Buffett would call it a moat. It is a major way that protects you because you've got customers that are with you for the long haul, right? It's yeah. just it's it's a no brainer, an absolute no brainer.
0: Yeah. And after this this great buildup, and uh, you created already so much expectation. You have, you know, you you established that it's three hundred fifty percent. Now the question that everyone is thinking about is how do you engage customers? How do you engage people? What is what is your framework what is your model for doing it
1: well if we want to think about how you engage customers or how you get customers to be engaged with you we can just dial it right back to the simple analogy of how do you engage somebody in a conversation over coffee in a cafe right yeah the first thing is you both you both sit down and you might start you might start off talking to me and saying hey scott you know what do you think about star trek uh, and I don't really respond to you because I don't really like Star Trek. So then you say, what about Star Wars? And now I love Star Wars. So guess what? The conversation is going to be, is going to be more about Star Wars than it's going to be about Star Trek. Yeah. So that's the first lesson is you've got to scatter a few different opportunities for connection and see the thing that people gather around. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we would call this in marketing. It's being customer centric, not company centric. Right. Right, right? You right. are trying to find out what the customer cares about, not what you care about. And in relationship building, that's the point. When you meet somebody, you want to find out what do they care about that, that they have in common with you. Now, if you find out what they care about that you know nothing about, well that also probably isn't the predictor of a long-term relationship either because really what you want to find here is commonality. Right, and right. And commonality, commonality is king, right? It's yeah, the so it re-
0: creates relevance. And, and,
1: and, yeah. 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 yeah, So you scan. Around, see what people gather around and you go bigger on the stuff that they gather around um, and then at the end of that conversation we've had a lovely time talking about star wars and now what will happen is the next time that we meet we will kick off talking about episode nine that comes out at the end of this year and you and i now have a new a new normal in our relationship right there is a new level that our relationship has gone to using star wars as the as the glue to bond you and I together. It's not really about Star Wars. Star Wars is just the, 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 the glue that helps the two things stick together. Mm. And so often we get, we get concerned about the glue. The glue actually doesn't really matter what the glue is. It's about you and I. So now that we have a new normal, what we can say is that conversation really mattered to us. It was a resource. It was a long-term thing that built affection. So those are the three steps. Scatter, gather, matter. Scatter out the things that, that you're hoping people might engage around gather and let people gather around the stuff that matters to them and you gather around that too. Now, the the important trick here is gather people together. Don't just gather them to you, gather them to each other. We can talk about that later. And then finally matter, make that up, make that and formalize that as a bond that create that is the new normal in your relationship. So let's, let's, let's convert this into, um, um, a an, 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 an employee well let's, let's 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 do a commercial setting let's convert this into a, into a marketing campaign
0: yeah
1: is you scatter out a number of different advertising campaigns and ideas and tweets let's say you find a few that really work you gather around those you see that customers really care about that now what you do is rather than just gathering the customer to you 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 gather customers to each other you show that there is a tribe or a group or some sense of social, commonality between these people that now creates a group mentality we're now tapping into some kind of social psychology mm-hmm. you let them come together you find out what they really share in common and then you now make that the new, new norm now you've, to that, but now you've got a more refined, you've got a far more refined idea of who you're talking to so now you can expect that when you scatter a new iteration of this circle, it might even be a little bit more focused. So now what you do is you might talk to them about something very specific, and yes, they gather around it right away because now you know those people. And you know, this this is basically a a, a lean startup loop, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the way the relationships work, it's the way the products work, it's the way that arguments work, even Robert's rules, um, which is the way that corporate meetings are run has the idea of motion um, motion uh, brought up, motion seconded, motion carried, right? So yeah. you suggest the motion, that's the scatter. Motion seconded, that's the gather. Motion carried, that's the matter. It's, it's the way it works. E- even if we take Aristotle's three ideas of, of um, persuasion. First is the logos, that's the argument. You scatter out your argument. Mm. Second of all, you then try to invoke pathos, that's the gathering part, thing that people respond to emotionally. Finally, you go to ethos which is this sense of new normal, the, the standard that everyone gathers around. That's the matter phrase, right? It's just, it's the way that we work. It's the way that we harvest crops. You scatter the seed. You see the stuff that gathers, you matter, you turn that into food that feeds people and nourishes people and becomes the new normal. This is the process that everything goes through. We just don't often realize it.
0: Wow. Do you have an example like let's say there's an entrepreneur small business owner or or large business you know owner or director that sits and listen to this listens to this or runs around listens to this and uh, wants to incorporate this who wants to really take this and put this into action uh, do you have an example that that would yeah. clarify that a little bit to the concrete level
1: yeah well let's flip this now into. Um, into employee engagement, and let's talk about change management.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm currently working with a client where we're we're doing some change management work. There's been a period of crisis. And so the senior leaders, the first thing that we, well, not the first thing, but one of the things that we did was we communicated the change in a number of different ways, right? We tried different language, we tried different metaphors, we tried different slogans to communicate the change. And we scattered a number of different ways of explaining what we were trying to do. And then we watched to see which ones of those people gathered around, right? And we found that the employees in the organization and also other stakeholders gathered around one particular way that we'd expressed it more than any other, right? Yeah, yeah. So we found that that worked. We also found that when we did that, there were some people that were very, very vocal in their support. And then there was, you know, then there was the more silent um, minor, uh, majority. So we also brought together those that were particularly vocal and gathered them to each other. We put before them the phrase that everybody seemed to like the most, mm-hmm. and we and we let and we just listened to them talk about it. And by gathering those people together, they created this incredible sense of energy because it's like, oh, there are other people like me too. There are other people who care as passionately as I do around the organisation. Mm. who've got as strong opinions as I do. And we let them gather and we let them talk. They played around with this this way of communicating the vision that we had. And when we, and we listened and they came out with a whole bunch of stuff that was really valuable, valuable for us. They also voiced a lot of things that they wanted to go and do and make happen in the organization. So then what we did was we went, great. We'll write down the list of things that we want to do. We will now empower you to do those. And the new normal will be, you are empowered to do that, and we will provide any tool that you need to make it happen. Mm. They went into the organisation and made the change. Mm. So, so we clearly went through those three stages of relate, uh, of, you know, the scatter, the gather, and the matter, and that drove massive organisational. We made them part of the team, and then we, as the team, we scattered again. A new round of ideas and suggestions throughout the organisation. We listened to which ones people particularly gathered around. We brought them together. Now we've got a bigger gathering of people. Mm -hmm. And we made them part of the team. And very slowly, this team became the whole organization. And that was the way that we created a new normal.
0: Wow. So through iterations, just like looping.
1: Yeah. We just iterated it over and over again. And each of these was a relationship-building process.
0: And so this is what you call in the book, uh, in your book, the shape of engagement, the art of building enduring connections with your customers, employees, and communities. Let's talk about your book in a minute. Uh, you call it the circle of engagement. Isn't that true? Yes. This exact yeah, loop.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 It just keeps on going round and round and round. Uh, and and engagement, you know, is something that's interesting because it works at a very micro level and it also works at a very meta level. So what we've just described there is quite a micro level of engagement, right? A very clear strategic thing that we did. But also there are very clear engagement business models. Um, If we quickly go back to um, Apple, let's say, scattering is all of the different advertising that they do throughout all the different medias that they do it. Gathering is done pretty much through their stores and the products when you buy them. Mm -hmm. Um, so when people gather, they go into the store, they have an experience, they get to meet other Apple users. Um, their products are built in such a way that they're very recognizable. So when you use them, others can see that you're using them. Mm-hmm. Um, matter stage is then, is then really the beauty of iCloud as this unifying platform that links everything together and creates a new normal in your life. So, and so the other day, my laptop stopped working. No worries. Absolutely everything is on iCloud. I'm not going to go
0: and buy Chromebook now, am I? Yeah, exactly. You talked about internal engagement or employee engagement was the term you used, and you gave us the example about Apple. Now, really thinking about if I'm starting a new business, I have a small business, and I, I I really buy into this whole idea, I should really be engaging, you know, customers, you know, with each other and and hopefully with my brand. Any, you know, is this the model that I can just start applying? Is is it just? It sounds so simple, you know, this this circle of engagement yeah. with three three
1: steps basically. Well. Well, I mean, here's another example, right? Is let's take craft craft lager. In the UK, there is a craft beer um producer called Brew Dog. Um mm-hmm. their scattering is you can go into the shops and you can buy a can of their beer. Their yeah. gathering is those who really like brew dog go along to brew dog's live events. They do conferences, they do beer conferences, right? You can go along to their different stores. They've got experienced stores. Um, And that's the gathering thing. And you get to gather around other BrewDog customers. Um, Then finally, the meta thing is you can then get their beer on a subscription. Right. Right. (laughs) So this model is very clear. You've got the scattering level, which is where you get high volume, low value relationships with people. Gathering is when you invite those people to connect with other customers of yours. And it begins to build a sense of social identity right? Mm. It means something for me to drink BrewDog. It means something to be an Apple user. It means something to be a Harley Davidson driver. It means something to collect swatches. It means something to wear an, a, a on your wrist, right? It means something to to um, you know use your particular favorite product over someone else's. It means something to be a Moleskine user rather mm. than buy um, some random notebook, right? And this is the thing is it means something when I use their product, there's some sense of identity about this. But so many products are made without any thought to the identity. Right. I mean, I don't, it's I say using Apple as an example, but they've carefully nurtured this, right? Everyone remembers the original iMac with its different colored shells. Yeah. Something Steve Jobs famously said when he was presenting them, was he says, the backs of these iMacs looks better than the front of the competitor's machines. <laughs> and he was completely true. Yeah. But they were so thick. It, it it meant something to have one of those it was it was so iconically visible it was interesting when apple some years ago started on their website listing their products simply by their shape right that's how that's how iconic they've endeavored to make them and i just i've just never really found that i've never found that samsung or google or the competitors have tried to make their products as iconic in a similar way really um i mean exception would be perhaps now we've got the idea of the samsung folding you know folding phone but There's something there about the iconic thing. It means something for me to be a user of your product. That to me would just be a great question. If you're selling something, what does it mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. What does
1: it mean to be a user of your product? And then finally, how do you turn this into, into something that matters to people both practically, but also psychologically? So Hmm. what, what do you do that people can integrate into their life that makes it difficult for them to disintegrate? Um, and this is where lots of subscription models have their utility, right? It's this monthly thing. I'm I'm unlikely to want to quit it because it just keeps on rolling in there and it's something that's beneficial to me.
0: Mm.
1: But don't just have the rolling product. Also provide those psychological benefits, right? Yeah. Create a sense of belonging. Create a sense of mission. Find, find something that people are striving towards. Showcase the stories of other users and how they're benefiting. Create. A, 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 a right of your own thing, and I mean, I think religion there would be a great subject to explore. But you know, those are the things that highly engage us; is they mean something to us. Yeah. Very very simple. How do people do anything along those lines?
0: Excellent, very insightful, and I I love how you all the examples you gave are They are all examples of higher forms of value and meaning sort of. Not not just uh, features. I mean, you didn't mention features at all, really. I mean, it was all about belonging and identity and all these things. And I think that's what really people are paying more for, and uh, that's really a great way to differentiate as well, because so many products will never reach that level because they don't, you know, they don't matter basically.
1: Um, well, well, they are, and this is where engagement does have its have its critical future. Is as AI, you know, threatens to replace more and more tasks. And as religion seems to slowly be less of a factor of people's lives, or at least not a sufficiently large enough factor of people's lives. And as we live a more digitally nomadic life where we are perhaps less integrated into our local community, people are looking and have always looked to brands to give them some of that sense of community. Mm -hmm. Take Nike Jordan Trainers. Now you know th- those were released in the early '90s. As a pair of trainers, they are not a good basketball trainer. Um, yeah. In fact, the out of out of the top twenty-five trainers that were worn in the NBA during the last season, three of them were Jordans, and they were low down on the list. Right? Yeah. They are not They are not a good basketball shoe. They're not made to be a basketball shoe. First of all, they're a work of art that people collect. But second of all, they're iconic in terms of the community that people gather around them. It means something to wear a pair of Jordans. Yeah. It, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean something just to wear a pair of regular Converse trainers.
0: Right, exactly, yeah.
1: Right. And so now we've got belonging, and people want to find belonging in brands. <laughs> right? mm. That's why we wear them, is they're trying to tell other people something about us. I always find it interesting to look at um, people's laptops and to see what stickers they put on. Right? Right, that, to yeah. me, is a fascinating... What sense of belonging are people getting here? And this really is a nod back to our evolutionary heritage as, um, you know, being a tribal a tribal uh, species. Yes. Right? And we see manifested most clearly, I think, and our most tribal... Thing really is in religion, and, and, and I mean, if you're okay with it, I think talking about religion a little bit would be yeah, exactly. I specific. was just
0: looking for a way to segue into religion because when you said belonging, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's what when you open up saying that you learned so much from from your uh, years as a minister. And I th- was thinking, is that really about belonging? Is that where the where the bridge you know happens? Or talk yeah, talk to us about that. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, philosophers have have long proven the point to us that humans need something to live for. Right, We are a risk-taking species. Um, we came out of the, the trees into the open lands looking for a risk. You look at the way that we have populated the whole world. Look at the way that Polynesian cultures roamed from island to island, seeking them even though they were hundreds of miles away. We are, we are risk-takers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we like to be a part of a group of people that are taking that risk where we find belonging. Now, those risks change. But the point is we are a stretching, we are a stretching species. We are a species that look, that's looking to grasp a bit further. Unless we have something to live for that gives us some sense of identity within that, we enter into existential angst. We've always looked for that. Whether it was nationalism, whether it was a religion, whether it's a football team or a sports team, whether it's the type of car we drive or the products that we use, we are looking, or even the the bar or the cafe that we go to, we are looking for a place where we belong and we derive some kind of identity. Mm. Religion does this superbly. Because the thing about religion that people often forget is religion is dealing in intangibles, right? Mm. You you can't see Jesus. You can't yeah. see you can't see Allah, you can't see Buddha, you can't see Nirvana. But it manages through people and through its places uh, and through its rituals and its routines to create a wonderfully tangible world. Now, the thing about the intangibles are, it's actually great to have intangibles because those are the things that then live in people. Those are the things that are most transferable, right? Tangibles are hard to transfer because I have to literally take that thing and take it to you. Intangibles are highly spreadable. The things that we are most engaged by as humans are actually intangibles, right? Mm. Me, uh, you know, my support for a team is largely intangible because I'm only tangibly at my team's game, you know, once every other week on a Saturday, let's say. Yeah. But it lives with me all the time. That's the intangible element, the, the brand. Um, research has shown that brands are 80%, the, uh, uh, the value of a brand is 80% intangible, mm. right? Um, and 20% is tangible in terms of its products, its stock, its venues, its, its advertising, etc. So what religion does is it takes these incredibly invisible things, but through regular human contact, through its rituals that make that intangible thing live on the inside of people, through its its texts, it makes this stuff incredibly sticky, which is why religion, despite rationalism, despite us entering into a very scientific age, continues to exist. Because literally, it's the oldest way of explaining human psychology, right? Mm. Um, which is taking something intangible that we can't explain, and then bringing us together around it. Um, so for me, that that's engagement, right? That is engagement. Um, if you get people to believe in something that they can't see, you are one engaging master, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic! Wow, that's so impressive. So impressive. I, I think we're coming toward the end. Uh, I, you know, we could go on for hours. You obviously have have so much insight into this topic. Um, but when we talked about your book, you talked about the circle of engagement. The this was one of the seven shapes that you cover in your book. So uh for anyone interested in this i mean this is a great resource to really learn more and uh so the book is called the shape of engagement the art of building enduring connections with your customers employees and communities how do people you know first of all where should you buy the book uh if you if we ask you and how can people connect with you
1: well people can buy the book at shapeofengagement.com or go on to amazon or 800 ceo read or Barnes Noble and Noble and pick it up there um, for me, I'm um, at Scott Gould on Twitter. That's S-C-O-T-T-G-O-U-L-D. If you just type in Scott Gould Engagement, you will find me uh, all o- owning that search term. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> um, uh, and then feel free to connect with me through any social media of your preference. Or you can just go ahead and email me, scott at scottgould.me. And um, I certainly love uh, engaging with anyone that would like to engage with me.
0: Fantastic. So my final question is, what does it mean to be extraordinary to you and, and what is it really that drives you in your work?
1: I think to be extraordinary is to really engage with life. Hmm. What we haven't talked about right now is the personal development side of this, but engagement begins at home. It begins in you. You know, the most engaging people for customers or employees or as leaders are those that are prepared to really engage with themselves So I think to be extraordinary means to really engage with who you are, engage with the world around you, not in someone else's way, but in your way. Um, But as we said at the beginning to kind of, I guess, take an approach that says, I want to make the most of this relationship. um, and certainly this life.
0: Mm, I love that. So it's essentially expanding yourself for your own potential, uh, much in the same way as you would do with, you know, with others know being committing like you said saying
1: I do yeah saying I do let's, let's let let's us give this a go right let's throw my ring into the hat and yeah. this is great quote I can't remember who said it but they, they said don't ask yourself what the world needs ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who are alive and I, I think you can't put it better than that right? yeah
0: Thank you so much, Scott. It was great to have you on. And I, I, there was so much insight there for me. I have to really go back and edit this and, uh, and digest. Uh, great pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you all the best in your, in your uh, mission of spreading engagement around the world. Uh, I guess that could be described as your mission, could it?
1: Yeah, it, 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 it is certainly my mission. Thank you again very much for having me, too.
0: Thank you so much.